Uh, I'd like to read a few passages, three passages of scripture. The first in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, which is on page 1224. Luke chapter 3 verse 21. And it came to pass, all the people having been baptised and Jesus having been baptised and praying, that the heavens were was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form as a dove upon him. And a voice came out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee have I found my delight. And Jesus himself was beginning to be about 30 years old. If we could turn to the book of Thessalonians, chapter 4, which is on page 1430. Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 15. For this we say to you in the words of the Lord, that we the living who remain to the coming of the Lord are in no way to anticipate those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with an assembling shout, with archangel's voice and with trump of God, shall descend from heaven. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we the living who remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be, we shall be always with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. And then finally, at the end of Luke, uh, chapter 24, Luke 24 uh, and page 1263, verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going on the same day to a village distant, 60 stadia from Jerusalem, called Emmaus. And they conversed with one another about all these things which had taken place. And it came to pass as they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself Drawing nigh, went with them, but their eyes were holden so as not to know him. And he said to them, What discourses are these which pass between you as ye walk and are downcast? And one of them named Cleopas answering said to him, Thou sojournest alone in Jerusalem, and dost not know what has taken place in it these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the judgment of death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. The three passages of scripture I've read this evening, you might have noticed, all have the words, Jesus himself. The gospel is the gospel, God's glad tidings concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, when he spoke in Corinth, he said he desired to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel is all about Jesus. He is the absolute centerpiece of the message. The whole message uh, speaks about Jesus. He is the message. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is absolutely central to the, to the message, to God's plans, to everything that, that, that we come into in terms of blessing can all be sourced back 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man that I know in this room, many have come into contact with. Many know him as their saviour. And tonight, dear friend, you too can come to know this man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as your saviour. That's what the gospel, that's the intention of the gospel. Is that all men, all here in this room tonight, can be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Dear friend, that is God's great and good news. God's fantastic message that he wants to give and he wants to send out tonight and give you the opportunity this evening to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus himself. You've heard many messages and many gospels preached from this desk and they've all picked up on different aspects, different verses of scripture, different different aspects of, of the message. But the central theme is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the centerpiece of the message. And here he is, Jesus himself. You know, we don't preach from this desk uh, a set of rules, a set of principles, a set of ideals. We're not asking you to join a religion. We're asking you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're preaching that in him, sins can be forgiven. There can be peace. There can be joy. And it's all because of him and what he has done. Dear friend, you... Sometimes here it said, don't you, that Christianity is all about a person. And you know, perhaps I, I certainly didn't really, I heard it, but didn't really get what it means. But it is, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming to know him. We, we read about it in the, the, uh, in, at the end of John. These things are written that you may know. And dear friend, tonight, you have the opportunity to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. We have here Jesus uh, right at the beginning of his ministry, he's, he's been baptised and it says here, Jesus himself was beginning to be about 30 years old. Jesus begins his ministry down here. He was sent to this very earth. You can read about it in a number of places, perhaps most eloquently put, if you like, in Philippians, where he stooped down into this world, took the form of, of, a, of a human being, Walked amongst men, but it was God manifest in flesh. This was God's son sent here on the greatest rescue mission that this world has ever seen. To rescue sinners like you and like me. Brands plucked from a burning to come into God's blessing. And it was all done by him. The Bible talks, or Jesus in fact, talks a number of times about why he was sent. And perhaps most importantly, he says he was sent to complete the Father's will. That's why he was sent here. Lo, it is written of me to do, O God, thy will. He says, doesn't he, that he was not sent here to do his own will, but to do the will of him that sent him. It says that he was sent here to bring light to the darkness. It says that he was sent here to be a witness to the truth. It says that he was sent here, Paul says, he was sent here uh, to, to save sinners of whom Paul says, I am the chief. And dear friend, tonight, we need to own that as well, that we are all sinners. But Jesus Christ was sent here so that you can be saved. He says himself that he was sent here to be uh, to, to give his life a ransom for many. And dear friend, tonight, you can be included in that many. 
There are, as I said, a number of people in this room tonight. You can go and speak to them. You can go and ask them about what Jesus has done in their life. But dear friend, tonight I want to know you specifically. Do you know, can you tell others about what Jesus has done in your life? Have you had that real sense, that real living link? Or have you just heard a lot about him? Have you heard and read a lot about him? But you've never really known him. It's all about Jesus, dear friend. And it's a personal living link that you must have. There's no substitute for it. There's no substitute for knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. We can be very academic. We can read lots. We can even speak lots. But dear friend, tonight I want to know whether your heart is linked livingly with a saviour. That's the key message, dear friend. And that's what I want to ask each and every one of you in this room. Hebrews says that once in the consummation of the ages, he was made manifest, which is a bit of an old-fashioned word, but he was, he, he was here. He was here for the putting away of sin by his sacrifice. And what a perfect sacrifice it was. We have the proclamation of it, don't we, here. This could be said of nobody else. Thou art my beloved son, in thee I have found my delight. And I'm sure people could say a lot more about this passage than I could, but just very, very simply, God found delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. He could find delight in none other because every other person that had lived before and every other person that had lived since this moment had fallen short of God's standard. You and I do not come close to God's standard of perfection, but the Lord Jesus Christ stands alone as the perfect sinless man. There is nobody else. He is unique entirely in that way. You know, you sometimes, um, we, we sometimes reference the different sacrifices that you get in the Old Testament. And some of the, the Old Testament books, Leviticus and things, are perhaps a little tricky to understand. But if you look at them as speaking about the perfection that was found in the Lord Jesus Christ, suddenly they make sense. Suddenly they make sense. They're not just rules and laws written about a, 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 a people in the past. They're real and living because they all speak in type about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you read about the sacrifices. How they're perfect. And they had to be absolutely spotless. And you see here. The Lord Jesus Christ. Being the perfect sacrifice. I am well pleased. God could say. The perfect sinless sacrifice. Nobody else. Could do the work. That God had sent him, the, the Lord to do. Nobody else could do it. He is the only one that was, that is a qualified and all-sufficient sin saviour. There is none other. Nobody else can deal with the question of sin in your life. There have been many, many fantastic characters, people in the Bible. Fantastic people that have lived in history. But not one of them can deal with the question and the great matter of your sin. Except for Jesus himself. He stands alone. The Bible is very clear that we have all sinned and that we have all like sheep gone astray. And the Bible is also very clear that there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. And it's him that you can call on tonight. It's him that you can come to know tonight. And he, all he is, he is one prayer away if you like. All you need to do, dear friend, is come in repentance and faith. You don't have to go anywhere. You can do it here. 
He is ready. He is waiting. How many times have you walked out of this hall? And each time you have you've rejected the message of the gospel. But by God's grace you're here again. And dear friend do not miss another opportunity. Do not miss the opportunity that God has given you tonight. To come to know his saviour. The, the one that he has provided. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. God has given his son. There's that wonderful parable, isn't there? In, uh, I don't know which gospel it is, maybe it's in more than one, where there's a man and he's planted a vineyard and he sends back many different servants and he says, finally, I will send my son. And that's what God's done. God has spoken in many different ways. Through the Hebrews says that, many different ways. Finally, he has sent his son. God could give nothing more to secure you. Love could give nothing more to secure you. Dear friend, the cost is infinite. The cost is immeasurable. And yet God loved you so much that he was prepared to give his only begotten son to lay down his life so that you tonight can go free. Unmerited. That means we don't deserve it. We're sinners. We're away from God. The Bible even calls us enemies of God when we're in our sinful state. And yet, dear friend, tonight, God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son. While we were yet sinners, God commends his love to us. And the message of the gospel has gone out week by week by week. And what are you going to do with it this week, dear friend? What are you going to do with it this week? Right now, what are you going to do with the great message of love that is being that has gone out from this desk for years and years and years. You have an opportunity tonight to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. It's a, the sacrifice that was made on that cross cost God his son. Dear friend, who are you to, to reject such a free, such a full offer of salvation? I think you get a, a little, I didn't read it, but you get a little touch of it perhaps in, in Genesis. Of what it cost God. Genesis, maybe we can turn to it. Genesis 22. Um, I, I won't read the whole thing, but it's from sort of verse 4 onwards, you get this wonderful picture of the sacrifice. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. And then you get in verse 8, this Wonderful prophetic message almost from Abraham. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself with the sheep for a burnt offering. And you know, many thousands of years later, God did provide the sheep, the lamb for the burnt offering. You get John's proclamation, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was God uh, providing for himself the basis whereby you can come into blessing. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't inherit it because of the family that you've been born into. You can't absorb it just by being around other Christians. It's got to be you personally coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the way that God has prepared it. My son, God, will provide himself with a lamb, with a sheep for the burnt 
offering. That perfect sacrifice laid the foundation so that tonight, dear friend, God can righteously bless you. It had to be done on a righteous basis. God can't just overlook the sin in your life. God can't just overlook the things that you've said and done and thought that are wrong. God's a holy God, a perfect God, a righteous God. And the way that it had to be done, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. And the only, the only qualified person able to complete that wonderful plan of salvation was God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, you get it as well. Again, I probably should have read all these, but Peter speaks about it. He says in Peter, uh, Christ also having suffered for you, leaving you a model, you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then it goes down a bit and it says, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He's hung there on that cross and he said those three words, it is finished. And what peace that can give you tonight because you know that the, that the salvation that God has given you is not based on anything you've done. It is based entirely on the work and the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what peace that can give you as a Christian, as a believer, knowing that it cannot, your sins cannot be brought up again. Because this perfect sacrifice of Christ was totally satisfactory to the heart of God. Salvation doesn't depend on me or you. That's the amazing thing. That's the peace that we can have. It doesn't depend on, on what I've done. It depends on what he's done. And that is the, the, the solid foundation that you can know with an absolute guarantee. That when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. Your sins are gone and they are gone forever. Never to be brought up again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. I read in Thessalonians. If I can find Thessalonians. Uh, I read in Thessalonians because we've got here for the Lord himself with an assembling Shout. You know, the gospel message doesn't finish with the Lord Jesus Christ hanging there on that cross, shedding that blood. That is a, that is a vitally important part, but it comes hand in hand with the other part, which is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We spoke about it this afternoon. And what a key moment it is. What a cornerstone of the gospel message is the death. Yes, but the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And here we have not only a risen Lord, but an ascended Lord, and one that is coming back to claim all those that are his. You know, we, 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 we read passages like this in Thessalonians and, and, and in many other places around the Bible, and, and, and they almost, certainly to challenge me, they, they, they become almost just words. But if you read this, this is actually going to happen. This is the great hope that a Christian has. A Christian doesn't hope for 80 years on this earth and death. That's not the hope of a believer. The hope of a believer is that they will one day see their saviour face to face. They will be caught up with all those living and dead that have trusted him as their saviour. And they will be with him down here. Thus we shall always be with 
the Lord. That's the hope of a Christian. And dear friend, dear believer, tonight is that your hope? If you're, if you're unsaved tonight, dear friend, there's a slight urgency. It's almost a double-edged sword to this message because there is a day coming when every, every true believer, every Christian will leave this earth. And from that point on, dear friend, the gospel message as it's preached tonight won't be preached anymore. And your opportunity will be gone. That's the urgency of the message. And there's only one person in the entire universe knows when the Lord Jesus is coming back, and that's the Father. That's God himself. And dear friend, tonight, this really could be the last time you hear a gospel message. People have said that, standing behind this desk, week by week by week. And each week we have got closer to the moment when this event here will actually happen. It's lovely, isn't it? The Lord himself with an assembling shout. You know, in in the Old Testament, there was a man called Elijah who was taken up into heaven on a, a chariot of fire. And you might think that that's a pretty spectacular way to go. But it's nothing compared with the Lord himself coming back to claim all those that are his. The Lord Jesus loved you so much that he gave himself so that you can come into blessing tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't stop loving you. He continues to love you. And he loves you and he wants you to be with himself. That's the desire of his heart. And tonight, dear friend, this can be your hope as well. That you will, you will be caught up together and we will be with him forever. What a wonderful hope a Christian has. Something that takes us out of this scene completely. And dear believer, I wonder and challenge myself with this as well, whether this is really my hope, whether I expect this to happen any, any moment, any day I wake up, do I expect this to happen or will I say to people at the end of this meeting, see you next week? It's a challenge. I read finally in the end of Luke. We had this in a preaching not too long ago and this is where I first Noticed, verse 15, Jesus himself drawing nigh. We have this wonderful hope that we will see our Saviour face to face. But in the meantime, we're left down here. And these two, Cleopas and the other one who we're not told whose name it is, were not, well, the Lord says they're downcast. And we go through ups and downs as, as Christians in our waiting time. Life isn't a nice, easy pathway until the moment we're caught up. But the difference is Jesus himself. Because whatever state of soul you find yourself in as a Christian, the only person that can give you real joy and the only person that can give you direction and the only person that can give you that fire in your heart that perhaps you remember you once had is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The difference between when they met Jesus as downcast and them running back to to Jerusalem to tell everybody what had happened, the difference is huge. And the difference happened because they met Jesus himself. So whatever state of soul you find yourself in tonight, dear believer, Jesus himself is the one that can make a difference. You think about Peter climbing out of that boat 
And what a step of faith that was in the first place. But how easy it is for us, if we even take that step of faith, to look around at the wind and the waves and to take our eye off the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that has saved us. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that sanctifies us. It always and always comes back down to him. He's the reason that I can stand here and preach. He's the reason many in this room know him as a saviour. And dear friend tonight, I want you all, first of all, to know him personally as your saviour. But to come to know him also. Somebody that can shepherd you. Somebody that can guide you. Somebody that does not just leave you at the point of uh, when you come in repentance and faith. Somebody that is with you all the way. Somebody that you can turn to at any point of your journey. Somebody that never leaves you, never forsakes you. He will be with you. He says that. He promises that. And Jesus never breaks a promise. God, it says in the Bible, God who cannot lie. You know, you can put your absolute trust in the saviour that God has provided. You can put your absolute trust in him because he alone is trustworthy. I don't particularly have anything more to say. It's all, it's all about Jesus. Sometimes we lose that. Sometimes we get distracted and very easily distracted looking at 101 different other things. But it's Jesus. It's all about him. He's the man that God has provided. He's the one that you can turn to tonight to have your sins washed away. He's the one that you can turn to tonight if you feel that you are not as warm, you are not as on fire, if you like, for God as you once were. He's the one that you can turn to if you don't have peace. He's the one that you can turn to if you don't have joy. It's always him. It comes back to him time and time again. And may you tonight, if you haven't done so already, come to know him for the first time as a saviour. If you've known him perhaps for many years, come to know him in a deeper and greater way as your saviour, but as your Lord as well, for his name's sake.